If you have your copy of God's Word, I would love for you to turn to the book of Mark as we continue our journey through this wonderful gospel, seeing so many miracles and so many things happening. It's just a, a great, quick journey through Jesus' ministry and time here on planet Earth. You know, I preached this miracle about three years ago to the date almost in John chapter 6. And I wondered then, and I wondered all week, why is this the only miracle besides the resurrection that's in all four Gospels? It's the only one that's in all four and the resurrection. You know, it's, 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 there's so many other, many, there's many miracles, you know, raising Lazarus from the dead. Why isn't that? Walking on the water, why isn't that in all four Gospels? Well, for whatever reason, this one miracle is in there, and it shows clearly and triumphantly that Jesus Christ is our creator, that he is God incarnate, which is what we celebrate here at Christmas time. He is God in the flesh. Let's read this account, starting with verse 35, and then we'll talk about it some more. So remember from last week, they're in a remote place that Jesus had compassion on the crowd that swamped him as he got out of the boat, and he's been teaching them. When he grew late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it is already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. They said to him, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. Let's pray. Father, this is a great story and a great revelation because it tells us and shows us in such vivid way that your son, Jesus Christ, is the creator of the universe. He is God Almighty in the flesh. Help it to warm our hearts this morning and to instruct us and to challenge us in our faith journey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So in all the four counts, though, when this, this miracle shows up, it's kind of like right after the killing of John the Baptist. Um, it's kind of after somewhere in the ballpark of where the, the 12 went on their mission trip, basically, and were healing and stuff, and the feeding of the 5,000. They're all right there, and it seems to be at a point where Jesus begins to look toward Jerusalem because that's where he's headed. And he's beginning to train his disciples as well. And, and this miracle gives, like I said, evidence. Colossians 1.16 says, All things were created by him. John 1.3 says, By him all things were created. So if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is your creator, well, that's what this story is all about. This miracle is designed today in our presence to give us that information. So Jesus uses the simple need of food, just the simple need of food, sustenance, to show and to reveal his position as the creator of the world. 
And how does he do that? How does he show them? Well, I'm going to talk about it. Jesus uses a, a test first and then a provision to show that he is the creator of the universe. And he wants us to believe that, wants us to accept that. First of all, he confronts the disciples' faith. Seems like he's doing that a lot. Jesus, the creator, challenges faith. Look at verses 35 through 38 again. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it is already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. They said to him, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. All right. So the disciples, are they really concerned about the crowd's supper? Or are they just ready for them to be done with the crowd? It's like, is there, is, I mean, it sounds really good. Yeah, send them away. But I'm telling you, that, that send them away is really in contrast to Jesus had compassion on them. Jesus had compassion on the crowd, a sheep without a shepherd. That's really in contrast. So the disciples are thinking purely in secular, temporal, I need food too, Jesus, moment. And so they have a very human solution. Send them away to villages, wherever they can go, which is, they weren't close to anything. They had already made that established. They were in a remote place. Send them away so they can get something to eat. So Jesus challenges them. You give them something to eat. What? What? You don't see any bread trucks with us, do you, Jesus? I mean, we didn't, we didn't show up here with anything in the boat. We, we met with you and went out on the lake. We don't have anything. You give them something to eat. Feed my sheep. The compassion he had there. Show them some compassion. So then they, they make up another excuse. We don't have enough money. You ever use that excuse for God? I don't have enough money, God. A denarius... Is a, is a day laborer's wage for one day. So 200 denarii would be eight months, roughly eight months' wages, which still wasn't really enough to feed them. As a matter of fact, they were just hoping they could get a bite. I think that's one of the implications of the way they say it. They exaggerated that number of 200, but they didn't know, really know how much it would cost. Their faith, and I put that in air quotes, their faith could not see the solution. So Jesus has another approach to this. He says, okay, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. So he says, he says, how many loaves do you have? He's not looking at money. He's not looking at their pocketbooks. He's looking at what they have. What do you have that we could use? What would feed them? How many do you have? So they went, and in, according to John, they found a little boy with a lunch. You've all heard the Bible story. He had five barley loaves and two pickled fish. A typical boy's lunch. I mean, this is not very appetizing to me, but that was then. But that's what they found. Go and see what they have. Quite the contrast to send them away in their mind. But Jesus pushed them to communicate with the crowd, to get in amongst the crowd and find out how much bread is there. To stop complaining and move out among them. So they found the five loaves and they still go, it's a long way from what we need, Jesus. Their faith. Where's their faith? Stop and think for a minute. This group of 12 guys, they had seen Jesus heal people. They had seen Jesus exercise an entire legion of demons out of one guy. They had seen him calm a storm. 
with just a word. They had gone out and done some of the same things. Where's their faith? Well, don't get too high and mighty of yourself. You'd probably be doing the same thing. I don't know how we're going to feed these people. But their faith was missing. And Jesus challenges their faith as their creator. Who do you think I really am? Remember they asked that question when he calmed the storm? Who is this? He's really trying to get them to finally see the answer. You give them something to eat. Oh, by the way, he's saying that to us too. You give them something to eat. You know, Lottie Moon gave up her food to feed a lot of people to the point of starvation, which is what she eventually died of. She shared her physical food so she could share with them the bread of life, Jesus Christ. She trusted God to meet the need of the souls. That's all she was concerned about was their soul. Elisha kind of had to teach his sermon, the servant, his servant the same lesson to trust God. In 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17, Elisha, great prophet of the Old Testament, surrounded by, with his servant, they're surrounded, the city of, I think it's Dothan, was surrounded by the Syrian army. Just surrounded. And his servant goes out in the morning, and, and it says here, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I love that. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That's what Jesus is trying to get these disciples to see, that God has an a, a army of angels and chariots of fire. And God calls us to show the world something to save their soul the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, when we say, and we say this often, God is our God, Jesus is our deliverer, we say that, and we, and, and we mean it, but it's also is saying we trust God to help us feed other people. And I'm not talking physical food. I want to I put the metaphor out there, but it's the gospel we're supposed to be feeding to people. We, we trust God to help us feed the world the truth. Our resources and our provisions Come from him and him alone. Don't ever think you earn something that, that oh, wow, I just, I'm just good at that. No, it, God's providing it. Even if you work a job and you get a paycheck, God provided all of that. Our resources come from him, the bread of life. And when you feel like Elisha's servants, when you're looking around, and it's like, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. Don't see only the downside. Remember, Jesus is our creator and our Savior. He is our Creator and Savior. You know, Thanksgiving this week gave us a chance to thank God for a lot of things, a lot of food, but also should have been thanking God for a lot of things, especially the gift that gets us to heaven so we can fly away all eternity with Jesus. But you know why we are still here? We are here to give them, the lost sheep, something to eat the bread of life. 
And it's for their souls. Do you hear me on this? This is why we're still here, to give people the bread of life. We can do it in a lot of ways. We have the greatest truth the whole world needs to feast upon. So how can we give it to them? Well, here's just some of the few things we do right here in this little church. God led us to add a full-time position this week. That position is going to minister to people, taking the gospel to places that you and I may not be able to get to. God leads us to give to the Lottie Christmas offering so that your gift can impact a soul on the other side of the planet. And you don't have to leave your front door. Although if you want to, we'll help you do that too. But it's also led us this year, next year, to give more to the cooperative program. Our cooperative gathering of funds that the, the Southern Baptist Convention uses to fund missionaries, church plants all over North America, and a lot of other things that carry the gospel to the world. So we can do a lot with our money, and we are. We also are still supporting other ministries and missionaries from our church budget. And the reason is to share the bread of the gospel. Jesus says, give them something to eat. That's, he's talking to us. Give them something to eat. So I ask you to pray for the creator's provisions and expect them in some form or fashion. And trust him to provide even more so you can feed even more. Ask him for that. Ask him for something so that you can give it away. It's the best way to get more. So I challenge you this, this, this Christmas season as well as this year, pray about giving more of your resources to the kingdom in some way, or shape, or form. Not necessarily has to be through this church. It could be through other forms. But give to the kingdom. That's our challenge this year. So Jesus challenged the disciples. That's kind of the first point, and, and we see it very clearly. He, he, he challenged their faith with a humongous task. By the way, 5,000 men probably means there was 20,000 people there, women and children included. Matthew talks about that when he tells them about the miracle. He, he doesn't guess how many, but 5,000 men probably equates to about 20,000 people total. Now, he will meet this test that he set up in their minds with a glorious provision. Jesus, the creator, feeds faith. Look at verses 39 through 44. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided up the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. So the crowd sits down. Jesus says, have them sit down. The Jews are used to this. Their feasts, they would have an organized way of distributing food during all their feasts. They would sit in two semicircles of 50 people, so 100 people in the group. But it doesn't come out clearly in the translation of this. They were in groups of 50 or 100, depending on what you counted. So that was an easy way to count the men, I told somebody this week, I said, I don't think they were counting, could count the women because they were always up helping the children because children always need to be helped. So it's hard to count when they're moving around. If you've ever tried to count kids and all that going on. So they sat down in an orderly manner. Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish. And these loaves are probably, they're probably like pita bread or what we have now. It's flat 
barley loaf, probably eight inches or less. He takes these, this boy's lunch. By the way, it becomes community property somehow, but the boy, he was ready to give it to Jesus. And Jesus looks up to heaven. He really is looking to his father, but it's the sky, but he blesses it. He grants favor for this. He prays over it. Another reason why we should pray at our mealtimes. And then he breaks the bread and the fish. And he doesn't just break off a pinch and give it to the disciple to take to one person. He's breaking off a, an adult portion of food. So probably a quarter of the, of, the, of the loaf and enough fish for one man to at least start eating. And they're passing it out. So he's breaking that apart and breaking it off in meal-sized portions. And he gives it to the disciples. And he gives it. And he gives it. And he gives it, and he gives it, and he gives it over and over and over and over. And if we had more time today, I'd go over and over some more. He probably did this for hours to feed this crowd. He'd break a piece off, give it to a disciple, give a few to the disciple. The disciple take it out. He'd distribute it to a few people, come back for another load. When the guys and the people had finished eating that portion, he would give them seconds. He wasn't rationing them. Sometimes we think, well, he fed them one, one handful. No, they were satisfied. If someone gave me a quarter of a piece of bread and a little piece of pickled fish, I would not be satisfied, as you can tell. I like to eat. They weren't full probably like Thanksgiving Day, but they were satisfied. 20,000 people. And he even creates more. He even creates 12 of, probably a basket about this size. 12 baskets full. He made more than he needed. You don't think Jesus didn't know how much he would need, right? I mean, he is God. Why did he create 12 more basketfuls? He had 12 disciples to feed. This would feed them. But he's also showing that he is the creator of the universe. He made more food over the amount than what he started with. He's the creator. And I believe that is why this miracle is in all four Gospels. I believe that it is meant to show, like the resurrection, that only God can do this. Only God can do this. You know, Jesus didn't have to feed them at all. He didn't have to give them seconds. He didn't have to feed them until they were satisfied. But by grace, he did. Thank God he did. And that's the kind of grace that's available through the bread of life. That kind of grace forgives us of our sins. Jesus Christ is the creator. And this miracle can feed the faith of all who will believe it and all who will trust him. The fact that only God can save a soul. Believe that. The grace is sufficient. You know, Lottie Moon, we heard this morning, went to China on faith that God would provide, even when they weren't providing, even when they didn't let women go. Well, we'll send her over there. We'll just let her fend for herself. But she was persistent. She never did give up. Wrote letters and letters, and, and that's what helped found the WMU because they just didn't want to leave people over there without any help. But she kept teaching, and she kept reaching out to the Chinese people with the bread of life. She never gave up on that. She did it whatever she could do, the Boxer Rebellion, the famine that happened, 
all the things, the persecutions. There's many stories of, of men that came to her for Christ, believed in Jesus, and they were imprisoned because of their faith. Because she knew the Creator's provision. She knew this miracle. She knew Jesus was her Creator. And no amount of threats, no amount of persecution could change that. She trusted God completely. 100%. And we've seen this before in the Bible. For 40 plus years, manna fell from heaven for the children of Israel, as well as quail from the wind. 40 years, feeding over 3 million people constantly, every day, except for the Sabbath, every day. And then God even used Elisha in a, in a, in a time to feed over 100 men with just a few provisions. And some were left over. 2 Kings 4, 43-44 says, But his servant said, How can I set this before a hundred men? So Elisha repeated, Give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, Always listen to the Lord, They shall eat and have some left. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. That same word, is spoken right here in this miracle and is in the bread of life, Jesus Christ, that we believe in. Faith in God was increased that day with those men in Elisha. What will it take for you to trust Jesus more with whatever's going on in your life? I mean, I can give you a long list of, of how God has showed up in the people's lives. How many things have been just unexplainably cured, helped, Checks showing up out of nowhere. Money showing up for something they need without ever having asked or told anybody about it. See, God uses these things. Not so we're well off or taken care of physically, although it does help, but because he wants our faith to grow. He uses all of life's trials and events and challenges to feed and grow our faith. Why? So we'll be quicker to turn to him when we have trouble, to turn to him when we need his help to turn to him to help us help others. He wants us to be quick to do that. Faith doesn't solve the issue, but the object of our faith does. God wants us to turn to him sooner rather than later. God is not a last resort. He is the first resort. Go to him. Have faith and that knows our creator is our redeemer, and you can trust him, and know he will provide for us as we seek to bring him glory. I remind you, I challenge you again, pray about if God would have you give more this year than you gave last year, whether to the Christmas offering, to this church, or to some other organization that is taking the gospel to the world. See, God sent Jesus this time of year, we talk about it. God sent Jesus as the gift of forgiveness and restoration to himself. See, that's what God wants. He wants us restored to him. Not just well-fed and satisfied here on planet Earth. He wants us restored in an eternal home forever and ever. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Why? Because the Creator's got you in His hand. If you're a believer, the Creator's got it. So stop fretting and start feeding the lost. Start giving them the gospel. Take time this season to acknowledge why your soul is fed. Why is my soul fed? Because God loves you. Why do you believe in Jesus? Take time to think about that. And then also ask yourself, who am I feeding? 
who am I giving the bread of life to? And how am I doing it? And can I do more? That's Lottie's mode. I think she always was asking herself, can I do more? I know a lot of the early missionaries were asking that, can I do more? What can I do more? Let your faith in Christ grow by telling someone the real reason for the season. It's Jesus. The creator of the world came to take away your sins. Believe and repent today for the forgiveness of your sins. That's, that's, that's the invitation. God's grace is ready for you to do that. Just a one-sentence summary of this whole miracle is, in clear terms, Jesus Christ is the creator and can be our savior. If you trust him by faith. You know, God is the source behind all gifts. I told, told you that earlier. He's behind all gifts, all blessings. But you know what? The greatest gift came 2,221 years ago in Jesus Christ. And it was promised once. Turn to Isaiah chapter 25. This is, this is a closing passage I want you to see. Isaiah chapter 25. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 9. It was promised many times in Scripture. This one particular promise is about 740 B.C. So about 2,700 years ago, Jesus Christ was promised. He was promised to be sent to feed his people. Follow along as I read Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 9. On this mountain, the New Jerusalem, I would call it, the Lord of armies will prepare for all the peoples, that's us, a feast of choice meat, a feast with aged wine, prime cuts of choice meat, fine vintage wine. On this mountain, Calvary, he will destroy the burial shroud, the shroud over all the peoples, the sheet covering all the nations. He will destroy death forever. He did. The Lord God will wipe away the tears of every face and remove his people's disgrace from the whole earth. For the Lord has spoken. On that day it will be said, look, this is our God. We have waited for him and he has saved us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. That's what we do every Sunday when we come in here. We're rejoicing in the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ with song, with prayer, with scripture and sermons to honor God because of what he said he was going to do, and he has. And this will be carried on to completion in the new Jerusalem. Trust Christ the creator to save you from the shroud of death that's over all of us. Not, not, just, not physical death, eternal spiritual death. That's the shroud that's over all of humanity because of our sins. Praise the Lord for that, that Jesus took that away on Calvary. Now, believer, I want you to know today, your creator, savior has been your bread of life. And you need to share that bread with somebody. Feed somebody this truth. Tell someone about Jesus. That's, our, that's what we've been left here to do. I mean, it might be a shock to some of you, but that's what we've been left here to do. 
Now, if you've never believed in Jesus Christ, oh, you can. If you've never believed that Jesus can forgive your sins, you can. He will make you right with God. And he does it through faith. Faith says with conviction, I believe you, Jesus. I trust your death, your burial, your resurrection to cover my sins, to take the death sentence that I deserve for my sins against God. You believe it without reservations, and then you repent. You turn away from all the things that you've been trusting in for your eternal salvation and security. You turn away from those. You get rid of them, and you trust only Jesus so that you can join us singing the Revelation song we sung a while ago. That's the song that we're going to be singing. It may not be the same tune, but those are the words we're going to be singing before the throne of God and before the throne of Jesus Christ. Trust Jesus today. Trust the bread of life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this miracle. And I thank you for the clear, unequivocal demonstration that you have endowed your son, the creator, in flesh to die for us, for our souls, that we may believe and be eternally saved, to be spiritually reborn, I ask, Father, that we, we take that message serious, that we give them something to eat. That's what you've called us to do. Help us to find a way to do that. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's stand and sing our closing hymn.